Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. One thing became clear to me on Head of at Nine. Illyrians are severely misunderstood. Your actions in the crisis prove that again. I just did my job, sir. No. You defy every stereotype the Federation has about Illyrians. You're an example to them. And to all of us. What do we do when Starfleet finds out? Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Positively Trek Book Club, where I and a co-host take a look at a recent novel or comic or something else secondary beta canon people might call it in the star trek universe and this week i'm taking a look at the four issue miniseries a comic miniseries from idw star trek strange new worlds the illyrian enigma and as has been tradition when we do comics recently my co-host is the wonderful the effervescent Ooh. the amazing brandy jackala brandy <laughs> welcome back thank you so very much dan i am so pleased to be here because i have so much fun with you and i love talking about comics and i love talking about star trek so what could go wrong well if you have to ask <laughs> no nothing Nothing. There's nothing that will go wrong. What do you humans say? Famous, Famous last, last words. words. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Spock learned that a lot in the first season, didn't he? 
<laughs> he did indeed. And yeah, this uh, so this comic series takes place between season one and season two. And this is something I kind of wish I'd been able to get to it sooner. But of course, life happens and mm-hmm. things get in the way. And I just actually read these comics today as we're recording this just a few short hours ago. It has to do with an ongoing storyline, the cliffhanger at the end of season one with the arrest of Una for being an Illyrian, basically. That storyline was basically resolved in an episode, episode two of season two that recently aired. And I'd kind of wanted this to come out that same week to just kind of pair nicely with that episode. Mm. But uh, Paramount decided that instead they would pair that episode with the announcement of the cancellation of Star Trek Prodigy. So we had to talk about that, uh, which was a little less than... Uh, the positivity we like to have on Positively Trek. But we're not going to let that stop us. We are still going to talk about this comic, albeit a little later than I would have liked. But uh, I'm I'm still thrilled to talk about the Illyrian Enigma with you. Yes, me too. I'm so excited. Let's go! <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, like I said, it's four issues. We'll cover each issue, uh, kind of just chronologically go through the story and, and discuss the story as it goes along. And I'm going to try and say the Illyrian Enigma as much as I can because I've practiced that because it's it's a little bit of a tongue twister sometimes when uh, I found out as I was preparing this episode. <laughs> yes, Illyrian Enigma. In- in- see? Illyrian <laughs> Enigma. Illyrian mm-hmm. Enigma. In- Illyrian. Uh, it's hard. Uh, guys, why? Why did you do that? <laughs> I think probably specifically for that reason. Mm. I feel like they're trolling us just a little bit. Yep. All four of these issues were written by Kirsten Beyer and Mike Johnson, kind of a powerhouse team up for Star Trek comics in recent years with art by Megan Levins and colors by Charlie Kirchhoff. And uh, yeah, we'll have lots to say about this story and the uh, the artwork as we go along, I'm sure. So... Mm. Starting out with issue number one, we kind of have what feels to me like the, the man, we've had a lot of adventures together over the last year. And here's kind of a very brief recap slash where we are now, kind of establishing the, uh, the time period they're in between seasons one and two. Yeah, that's a good thing to remind people of that. It seems like probably I could fit that in as Pike wanting to remind himself of everything that's happened so far in his log. So that, that works for me on that level. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. It sets a mood with, you know, the recent loss of hammer, for example, but you know, we've, we've shared these adventures together, but now that family is missing one of its own commander. Unichin Riley is under arrest and setting up where we're at here, uh, which is, you know, I, I don't know what I was expecting necessarily when I started this series, knowing that it's about number one, it's about the situation she's in, but she's largely absent from the story, of course, because she's under arrest and not really, I, I don't think we see her except in this kind of opening a little bit here, recapping some of the events. So 
Uh, It's an interesting choice, and I hadn't really thought of it before I started reading it. But yeah, this is going to be about the situation, but not really featuring Una at all. Yeah, I expected that, actually, because I knew that putting out a comic in between seasons one and two, they're obviously, unless they really wound back the clock, they weren't going to be doing something that was like between episodes. So Mm -hmm. it didn't surprise me that Una wasn't there. And so, you know, I was okay with it. It's what I expected, I guess. Expected is the wrong word. It's not like I had specific expectations, but knowing where it was going to fall in the Strange New Worlds continuity, I figured it would probably be, especially being named the Illyrian Enigma. I got it right. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) If I think about it really hard before I say it and say it slowly... (laughs) I figured that it would be something that we'd find out information that maybe we will never hear about in live action. But you never know. You never know. Maybe someday Mm -hmm. they'll tie in something from the comics and all us comics readers will lose our minds. (laughs) Well, I'm thinking back to, for example, it's it's in a film I'm not a big fan of necessarily. But during the time that the Kelvin timeline films were coming out they also had an ongoing comic series yes and in star trek into darkness they take a ship down to the klingon homeworld, and it's a throwaway line by sulu or somebody um saying basically you'll be taking the ship that we acquired during the mud incident and that was a comic and that ship is from the and that was something that kind of like that's cool. And I thought, you know, maybe during Una's trial, they'd, they'd say like, despite the information you gathered during your mission to whatever, this trial is still blah, blah, blah. But no, we're not going to get that. Mm. This is, if you've read the comic, you get a little bonus story, but it really doesn't have a payoff in the show whatsoever. No. And it's, that's disappointing. But at the same time, I understand why they did it that way Mm -hmm. because that's that's actually a thing that happens in star trek from time to time is here all is all of this mind-blowing information and you can't talk about it (laughs) yeah it's it's very common for sure but yeah so they're they're obviously wanting to help out una they're wanting to do what they can Uh, admiral april is basically sending them on a milk run to kind of get them out of the way and I love this. They're delivering cargo to some starbase. And at one point, Pike says, what is our cargo, Spock? And Spock says, primarily waste disposal units, Captain. Outstanding, he replies. And uh, I, I waste disposal units could mean any number of things. But I'm taking that to uh, say that they're delivering toilets. They're delivering toilets to a starbase. <laughs> I read that in your notes before we started the podcast and I laughed out loud then and then had to go tell Dave. <laughs> yeah, and it's still funny. Still funny. It's yeah. and I thought, yeah, uh waste management stuff and then it and then when you wrote toilets, I'm like, oh duh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that's what they're going for, but that's what I pictured when they said, when Spock said that. Yeah, so. well, I'm sure that he was, um, he was also thinking toilets, but decided to use a more, <laughs> uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? A more tactful. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what's wrong with the word toilet. I mean, <laughs> it's it's actually French, but whatever. But they're going to go on this mission. They're, they're, Pike is committed to following his orders. Uh, the crew, on the other hand, they're kind of talking below decks about you know, what happened and, and like this knowledge has gotten out there. It's kind of spread what's exactly happened. And the crew that we know are kind of not having it. We do see some dissenting opinions from other people who aren't part of the bridge crew, uh, that are very, he's, he's, this one particular person is very quickly dismissed (laughs) by Christine Chapel, (laughs) which I appreciated. Walters, they're asking for you in engineering, but I'm still on my break. Better hurry. Sounds serious. (laughs) I like that. You could get away with that in this era of Trek because they didn't have the comm badges that also had communicators in them. So Mm -hmm. well played, Christine. Well played. And Uhura has this idea that they should learn about the Illyrians and, and discover more about them. And maybe that will help Starfleet understand them better and be more forgiving in their judgment of Una and what she did. So they're not going to change course. Pike kind of says, no, we're not going to uh, visit this Illyrian colony that you've discovered, but you know, let's give them a call. Let's, let's find out what's going on. Let's see if we can talk to them. Yeah. And uh, that's a good way to go about it. I think, of course, at that point, I'm like, oh, they're going to go to that colony. You know they're going to go to that colony. Of course. You can't introduce yeah. this colony that you're not going to and then not go and then actually not go to it. No, you're going to go to that colony. So I was just waited. I just waited with bated yeah. breath to see what was going to happen. If they were delivering like medical supplies or vaccines or something like that. Yeah, no, but toilets. Yeah, they'll put that on hold. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe they've got a lot of broken toilets at the Starbase and they're they're having to share and things are getting backed up in the waste disposal system. I mean, you don't know. <laughs> oh, man, it's it's this isn't the Starbase, but it sounds like it could be turning into a Starbase 80 situation. <laughs> <laughs> it would be hilarious if it was Starbase 80. Totally. But... Uh, as it stands, they're they're still flying on their mission, but like I said, they're going to contact this colony. However, and I appreciated this, Spock says that it occurs to him that the Illyrians may not have a favorable opinion of a starship named Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And we get a reference to the Enterprise season three episode. I believe it's the Forgotten in season three where Captain Archer of the NX-01 stole an Illyrian warp coil, stranding their ship so that they could complete their mission on the Enterprise. And uh, yeah, those were the Illyrians, and maybe they're not too fondly remembered by that name in Illyrian lore, which is interesting. I, I, First of all, I really like that they made that reference. Second of all, there's a tiny little mistake that I just have to... Uh, where uh, Spock is saying Captain Archer appropriated the Illyrian vessel's warp coil to ensure the safe return of the Enterprise to Federation space. Federation didn't exist yet. Nope. Spock would know that. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm putting this on the writers. <laughs> yep, put it on the writers. So yeah, he would absolutely know that history. Mm -hmm. And even if, like, if Uhura or another officer were reporting that, I could see them saying that as shorthand and, you know, Federation space. But at the time it was Bob. Spock wouldn't do that. Spock would be very precise. So Yeah, he would probably yeah. say Earth space. Because mm -hmm. that was... Or friendly, or just friendly territory yeah. or something like that. Ensure their safe departure from the expanse. Mm -hmm. You know, you could have said that. But I also do like the definite linking of those Illyrians to Una's people in Strange New Worlds as well. Because, you know, other than the name, there's certain differences that they could say they're two different people. But I like here they're definitively saying, nope, they're the same people. And that's all linked together there. Yeah, I appreciated that as well. Plus, I am a sucker for an Enterprise reference. Mm -hmm. You know, I love it when they bring that into the comics, because how many Enterprise comics have we seen recently? Um, I think there was one Waypoint comic about Porthos. Yes, there was one. But... I think that might be just about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, you guys still do comics about Deep Space Nine and Voyager and, I mean, come on. Let's go back to Enterprise. It'd be fun. Come on. Well, in this story, uh, they, they make contact with Governor Dakil of this Illyrian colony, uh, who seems to be, according to Uhura, transmitting from somewhere else. He's, they, they think he's engaging in subterfuge, that he's conning them in some way, but they're not entirely sure. But he does reveal that they know about Una, that they recently learned of an Illyrian who was disguising themselves as not Illyrian and, and living and working in Starfleet. Pike finds that curious. So he decides to, in fact, divert course to the colony. And, uh, you know, the Starbase can, can hold it for a little <laughs> while longer. <laughs> if you have to, there's buckets. I mean... Absolutely. Yeah. Starfleet issue buckets. Yes. For sure. But yeah, so they divert to this colony. And uh, once there, though, uh, they discover that the these rings of asteroids around the planet are part of this complicated defense system. And they actually ensnare the Enterprise, holding them there. And the Illyrian they've been talking to uh, will not be allowing them to leave and is basically holding them hostage until the Illyrian known as Unachin Riley is freed. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, which is kind of weird because what if the ship gets pulverized <laughs> before it's released? I mean, really, what what kind of bluff was that? There's a, we'll get into it more as the comics go. This guy doesn't seem to be thinking a lot of things through some of the time here, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk a bit about that. It's a little short-sighted sometimes. And that's, that's one that's a good point. Yeah. You're my bargaining chip for. <laughs> oh. That one's not right. quite firing on all thrusters, I think. So yeah, that's the end of issue one. That's the, the to be continued we're left on here. A strong start, definitely pulling me in and making me interested. Uh, what are your thoughts on this first issue? It felt really short for me. <laughs> it, mm -hmm. it just, it felt like it went by all too quickly. And, of course, I expected a cliffhanger ending because that's how you go with comics. But I, I really liked the 
the artwork, I could hear the characters' voices in my head, so the writing was good for the most part, except for the Federation space mistake. I thought it was a very interesting beginning, and it just, it did really leave me wondering where are they going with this, because I didn't really have any inkling of what this story was going to fully be about, Mm -hmm. which is a nice teaser. It's like a good cold open, I guess. This is your cold open before the episode truly starts. Yeah, I agree. When I was starting out reading it, I remember thinking like, I wonder how long this is going to be like, you know what? Because like I said, I just read them all today. Uh, But I do remember like really getting into the story in the last half and kind of going like, oh, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. And then it ended. And I was like, ooh, that's probably a good sign that I like, I didn't Mm -hmm. see the end coming. And I was really wanting to just flip to the next story right away uh, to figure out what's going on. So uh, yeah, well done there, I think. And also, yeah, I hear the characters' voices, the Pike's logs i feel like that's right out of the show like it feels like his voice when he's talking he's got this very philosophical way of talking very mellow thoughtful i really got that coming across uh and and we'll get into that more in the as as the issues continue too i think they really capture a lot of characters voices really well agreed One other thing I want to say with regards to issue one in the beginning of the story is it felt very Star Trek to me. I Mm. love that Uhura is like, we're going to make this all better by learning more about these people. We're going to explore, we're going to find out and, and learn about them. And I'm like, man, this is what Starfleet should be doing. Mm -hmm. I love this. They're just arresting Una and tossing her in in jail. And the crew of the Enterprise is like, well, maybe if we learn more about her people, we'd understand them better. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Imagine that. Well, let's move on to issue number two then. And they're in this trap. They're surrounded by these asteroids that are pelting the ship. And they've got to figure out a way to get out of this trap. And how do they do it? It's Star Trek, so say it with me. They They reverse reverse the the polarity. polarity. (laughs) (laughs) So they're attracting the the asteroids, basically, like a big shiny magnet, as Pike says. And Spock says we got to figure out a way to repel them. So yeah, they reverse the polarity of the shields, and that's got it. Yeah. It actually makes sense. I like it. It does make sense. It it ranks up there with, for, uh, for me, with all four seasons of Enterprise, whenever, you know, because they didn't have shields yet, right? Mm-hmm. And so every time they needed to raise their defenses, they polarized the hull plating, which was largely ineffective. It seemed like it was basically pulling a thin blanket over themselves. <laughs> because they still got hammered even with polarizing the hull plating. Mm -hmm. But I I just thought, I was like, what does that mean exactly? What are you doing (laughs) to the hull plating? What is polarization? Is it a positive or is it a negative polarization? These things were never explained and I want to know. That always kind of bugged me a little bit in Enterprise is they're like, oh, we're so primitive. We don't have shields, but we have this thing we're calling polarizing the hull plating. 
And functionally, it gave them exactly the same thing that shields did, which was a countdown when you're in a battle. Hull plating is down to 20%. Hull plating is down to 5%. Meanwhile, I'm thinking if your hull plating is down to 5%, you don't have much ship left. Like, what are you talking about? Yes, well, that's just the (laughs) outer plating. There's still the inner hull plating as well, we know, from lower decks. For sure. But if that happens in every episode, how much hull plating are they going through? (laughs) I know. Well, and there were times that they actually did have to go and get repairs. So... Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was always exciting for me. I'm like, wait, you mean they're not going to pretend that that stuff didn't happen and there's not a big hole in the the ship? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) 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 Voyager. Sorry, Voyager. We love you. We do love you. But those writers really hit that reset button so many times. (laughs) So many times. And Mm -hmm. I know that that wasn't their fault. I know that that's what they were directed to do because people wanted, uh, when this got syndicated, the powers that be wanted it to be that you could watch any episode of Voyager without knowing the episode that came before or that came after. And, you know, that's the way they aired TOS back in the day, to be Mm -hmm. honest, because, and it was so frustrating I found that extremely frustrating, and I was a child then. Imagine mm-hmm. how I feel now about that kind of crap. So yeah. so when Enterprise started doing arcs like that, I actually really appreciated it. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing is, TV back in those days, they weren't written for us uber Star Trek fans. No. They were written for the people channel surfing and saying, mm-hmm. oh, that looks cool, and yeah, I get that. They they want any episode could be anybody's first episode, but it it gets frustrating when, yeah. you know, especially a show like Voyager that I feel really could have benefited from long arcs. Like they're on a long journey. You know, let's Battlestar Galactica this and, and mm-hmm. make it count. You know, I'm, I'm in Ronald D. Moore's camp when he wanted to make those changes and they fired him instead. So mm. more fools them. <laughs> exactly because then he went on to create Battlestar Galactica the the, the rebooted reboot, version yeah. well let's uh yeah let's talk about issue number two here because this is part of what I was talking about when I said the character voices mm. I'm loving these bits here with Spock at the beginning where you kind of get his internal monologue where we know from season one he's kind of lost a bit of that emotional control barrier And he's, you know, freaking out a little bit as freaking out as Spock gets basically internally. Um, And he's like, I, you know, I hope the crew can't see this. I need to maintain my composure. And at the same time, Ortega says, man, I wish you could all be as glacially cool as you. (laughs) And he's like, oh, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what appears to humans as completely in control might look out of control to a full-blooded Vulcan when it comes Mm -hmm. to Spock. Which brings me to Pike's reaction to it, because we see that, like, Spock has been fearful. He's been afraid of what's going to happen. But they get free and clear, as Ortega says, and Pike turns around and says, Spock, you all right? And he's restoring order in the face of fear, in his words. And uh, he's fine. But Pike notices. Pike sees through that a little bit. And that was an interesting little moment that I liked. 
Agreed. He has a he has a special take on Spock because at the end of season one, of course, he went through that alternate future where right. he lost Spock. And so it's kind of like he's almost overcompensating because, you know, again, it goes back to that line from that short trek, you know, completely unsentimental except about horses. But <laughs> in that season finale, he says directly to Spock, you are important to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Spock reciprocates and I'm like, oh, they love each other. <laughs> I yeah. love it. So... Uh, yeah, so of course he's going to be the one to notice that because he knows Spock on a different level than the rest of them. They have been through some stuff, mm. and uh, yeah, they they have a they have a very strong and deep connection. Well, they they do get out of that trap, like I said, and they're immediately fired upon by the Illyrians, and the Enterprise basically one shots them back. <laughs> <laughs> And again, the Illyrian captain kind of caught with his britches down a little bit. And he's like, a lucky hit. I'm I'm willing to discuss a ceasefire for now. And Pike's like, we both know that's your only option. <laughs> One thing I'm just noticing now looking at this, though, if you look right at the, the page where the Enterprise is firing on the Illyrian ship, the panel below that with Uhura... That's the TOS style enterprise in the, in the graphics behind her. I just <laughs> noticed with the straight up and down pylons. Interesting. Fascinating. Hmm. Oh, mm. Very interesting. <laughs> sneaky. Very sneaky. So yeah, they're uh, invited aboard the Illyrian ship. Um, the captain and the first officer after the, the Illyrian captain asks, is that a Vulcan officer by your side? And Pike's like, well, yeah, that's my acting first officer, Lieutenant Spock. Why do you ask? Oh, just curious. Mm -hmm. Um, you guys should beam over here. <laughs> not suspicious at all. No, not yeah. at all. Just saying that. And then it's like, oh, no reason. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's definitely a reason. You don't ask a question like that without a reason. We all know this. And uh, even though it could be a trap, uh, they do decide to beam over, giving Ortegas the con. And uh, they beam into the private quarters of the captain. Very quickly, though, we, we get some backstory on Illyria about how it's completely uninhabitable. And uh, we see a very graphic depiction of what would happen to Pike in an environmental suit if he were on the surface of the planet. I feel like they spent special attention on on the artwork for this. It's pretty horrific. Very grisly. Very grisly. They made they made a good point. With the, the acid storms raging unceasingly across the planet's surface. It's like a mixture of, of Red Skull from Marvel Comics and a bit of... Uh, the Dark Knight Two-Face going on there. It was very creepy. It wasn't like horror video game level creepy. Like it wasn't Silent mm -hmm. Hill level of creepy, but it was still very grisly. Yeah, just very anatomically accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that I have seen in a lot of horror movies. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. which, but you know, when it's Pike, that is that just, mm, it, it, uh, it makes it that much worse. Yeah. What happens here, I guess, after explaining about the Illyrian homeworld, basically the Illyrian captain beam, beams Pike back to the Enterprise, but keeps Spock for some reason. Because he's Vulcan. 
Yeah, he's Vulcan. <laughs> like, obviously there's something there and we'll find out exactly why he wants to keep him. But uh, my favorite bit here, because I love Ortegas and I just like, this is fun. They beam Pike back to the bridge and he's like, no, <laughs> and Ortegas is there. Was I not supposed to sit in the chair? I thought I could sit in the chair. <laughs> She's like, just kind of slowly getting out of the chair. I love that. <laughs> that was so very Ortega's talk about nailing the character voice. That was perfect. <laughs> yes. And she's been in the chair before. Oh, totally. But I, yeah, I don't know if uh, just the pike coming on the bridge and yelling no, no. <laughs> kind of just scared her a little bit. Well, anyone would be startled by your captain suddenly materializing next to you and shouting. It's not what anyone expects because, you know, it doesn't seem like they really have that capability yet. That site-to-site transport without going to the transporter room. Not so mm. much. So, yeah, this the Illyrian ship has gone to warp and Pike orders pursuit. Meanwhile, they also get a priority hail from Starfleet Command from Admiral April. Pike says he can wait. Okay, Pike. Definitely uh, punching above your weight class there, and, and I like it. I like it. You're going to bat for your crew. We're family, and we're getting our family back. You know, we're not going to talk to Starfleet, and they'll order us back home, and someone else will go chase Spock. No, we're getting Spock back. Well, and that was the best way to handle it, because you can't disobey an order that you didn't get. Exactly. Well, at the very end of this, we go back to the Illyrian ship, and... Uh, Spock is awake and the Illyrian captain is uh, saying to him, only a Vulcan can access the information we need. Only a Vulcan can survive the acid storms on the surface thanks to the changes that we've made to you. And we see Spock and he is made of stone by the looks of it. And the most disturbing part of this is when he was saying, I should feel something, anger fear, any emotion like those I've been wrestling with of late, but I do not. I am changed and I cannot feel anything at all. To be continued. Dun, dun, dun. Now I'm just noticing this now. Why is there a little Klingon symbol next to the to be continued? (laughs) I know, right? I did not notice that before. I'm just noticing that now. And what, what? Okay, anyway. Spoiler, there are no Klingons in this four-issue series. series. Not a one. (laughs) It's like they decided to just doodle a little Klingon symbol there, and that's that's weird. Not even a mention of them in dialogue. Hmm. See, and if I'd have noticed that when I was reading it the first time, I would have been like, oh, what do the Klingons have to do? Interesting. And then nothing, so... I'm glad I didn't notice it before, but that's really weird. It seems to me like they wouldn't do that without a reason. So why would they do that? I'm curious. Because, you know, the Klingons did their own genetic experiments, didn't they? Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of, but it's still, it's still I don't obscure. Know. It makes me wonder if this is somehow going to connect to Klingons in the future. Weird, weird, weird. <laughs> So halfway through, definitely taking turns in the story that I'm not expecting. Like, what's Um, going on with Spock? What's the connection with the Vulcans? Why do the legends foretell that only they can go to this planet and stuff? Interesting. What's the connection there? So The answer may surprise you. We will definitely learn the answer for sure. Yes, we will. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of Positively Trek. We truly do appreciate each and every one of our listeners, and I'd like to especially thank our Patreon supporters. Thank you to our Constitution Class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, and Paul D. Kinnear. If you'd like to become a supporter of Positively Trek and join our crew, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, ad-free episodes and more again that's patreon.com slash positively trek thank you all and live long and prosper so moving on to issue number three we start with spock on the surface of illyria not only made of stone but uh stark stark naked basically well acid's gonna just eat away clothing so of course he's naked maybe he wasn't to begin with and this is how he is now his poor uniform is just atoms on the wind now (laughs) yeah that's you know that's how he has to roll and you know honestly i didn't know that naked rocky spock was something that i needed in my life but thank you very much (laughs) (laughs) naked rocky spock that might be the episode title (laughs) they got his abs right i can tell you that (laughs) Yeah, they they paid special attention to his abs for sure. Honestly, yes. Uh, if if you didn't know, recently um, there was an article about Ethan Peck in In Style magazine, and of course a photo shoot, and there was definitely a photo without a shirt. I'm getting hot just thinking about it. And yeah, <laughs> they really nailed the abs. I'm not kidding. That's what his abs look like. No joke. Nice. I I could see the artist with a copy of that magazine open beside them, just mm-hmm. kind of. You know, probably enlarged (laughs) just to make sure. Well, he's striding his naked rocky body across the surface of this planet and he sees this rather large statue 
and it's very Vulcan in its features. There's a, it's, you know, obviously wearing Vulcan clothes in a very Vulcan pose, this large statue with an opening at its base. It's interesting. Millennia ago, this was the Illyrian homeworld. There is no record of Vulcans ever being here. So why is the only structure left on this planet seemingly of Vulcan origin? Uh, to coin a phrase, fascinating. It's interesting because it's the only thing still standing. What's mm -hmm. it made out of? They never really talk about that. I want to yeah. know what's it made of. The acid hasn't eroded it after all this time. And yeah. it's, is it a tomb? Is it a monument? What the heck is it? Well, Spock's going to walk into it uh, to course. see if he can find out. And as he walks in, he kind of leaves this place in his mind and is experiencing this other reality where we kind of find out he's inhabiting the mind of a Vulcan who's part of a group visiting Illyria for the first time millennia ago, uh, this Vulcan named Scalan. And it's, this is before Sirach's philosophy of total logic, you know, took over the planet. So this is, these are passionate ancient Vulcans riding sailots off their <laughs> ship into the city, which what? I thought that was really cool. Like the idea of ancient Vulcan explorers slash colonizers, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I guess. There's, yeah. there's definitely that. We get that uh, kind of parallel later, you know, striding upon the backs of sailots onto the surfaces of alien worlds. What a cool visual. That's awesome. It it was awesome. And I thought, well, I didn't know they rode them around, but that makes sense. <laughs> Pretty cool. So yeah, this is first contact with Illyria, basically. The Vulcans are getting there. And yeah, we're we're learning a little bit about this culture and the fact that there's some sort of cataclysm that's that's starting to take shape. The planet's starting to become uninhabitable, and the Vulcans are ostensibly there to help. They're going to help them, apparently. Mm. You know what this actually made me think of, and it's a weird correlation, but it reminded me of the last days of Krypton for a minute. Mm, you know? I could see that, yeah. Yeah, everybody, you know, Jor-El being the only one to say, hey, look, this is a problem, y'all. We are going to die. No, no, Krypton's just shifting its orbit. It's fine. It's like, <laughs> uh, do you know what shifting in orbit means? It's not just fine. That that contributes to major atmospheric changes. For heaven's sake, are you people not advanced? I mean, you look like you have all of this technology and you can't determine <laughs> that your planet is just is not just shifting its orbit. It's going to run into the sun. Did you know that? <laughs> just sorry. I just went off on a tangent there, but that's kind of how I felt about you know, these people trying to find a way to figure out how to keep their planet alive. And I just thought, and the Vulcans are going to help. Oh, this is not going to go well, is it? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, actually, it, it, this re that really reminds me what you were talking about of uh, a post that I've seen, like a meme that kind of pops up every once in a while, where it's, you know, me as a kid watching Superman and it's like, how do these people not understand that their planet's destroying itself? And why aren't they doing more? Aren't they advanced enough to figure this out? And then like me in my thirties reading a Facebook message group. Oh, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, 
which is, you know, you have to laugh, but it's it's not very laughable. <clears throat> it's not. It's really not. Uh, the sad thing is, is that uh, where Krypton was concerned, it seemed like the people who were saying, oh, no, it's just shifting its orbit were also <laughs> the people in charge and the scientists. So, yeah. Yeah. Here it's just the people in charge. <laughs> yeah, just the just people in charge. <sighs> So meanwhile, in this kind of reality that Spock is experiencing, uh, this artifact this, that he's wearing, this, this necklace starts glowing and is changing him and people around him are becoming confused and he's not sure what's going on exactly. And at the same time, the Enterprise has arrived in orbit and, uh, <laughs> we get a little bit of back and forth between Pike and this captain, which I've kind of been enjoying throughout this series. Like, mm. oh, I'm hurt. You left without saying goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like this. Oh, I shouldn't be surprised you were able to follow us. Not that it matters. This guy, he's kind of just flying by the seat of his pants, I think. He, yeah, he's not really thinking things through. No, not in the least. <laughs> not in the least. How did this guy get to become a captain? <laughs> I gotta wonder. And if he's this bad, what are the underlings like? Mm -hmm. Is it like a ship? This is basically the Illyrian version of Starbase 80, isn't it? It seems like it. Yeah, maybe. But meanwhile, Pike is going to take a shuttle down to the surface uh, and try and survive as long as he can, basically, to try and rescue Spock. I like this. Uhura's chasing him, basically. Captain, you can't go down there. The shuttle won't last five minutes, much less you. And then Pike says, then I have five minutes as he heads to the shuttle bay. And like total typical action hero Pike. And he's mm -hmm. he's going to he's going to do it. He's going to go save Spock. And spoiler alert, he's going to go save Spock. So that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> because yeah that's uh that's what pike does and i'd like to think that he'd do that for any crew member but i think he's especially contentious about it because it is spock and he is you know he's already lost luna luna why do i keep saying luna <laughs> he's already lost una possibly forever and he's sure as hell isn't gonna lose spock the holy yeah. the, the holy trinity must be kept intact so yeah, he's going to get down to the surface and he finds Spock uh, collapsed outside of this monument, which after having withstood all of the the atmosphere all these years, I guess the seismic activity is bringing it down now. So uh, it lasted almost forever <laughs> so, mm. until, until Spock came along uh, and set something off and it's starting to come down now. But the, the cliffhanger we're left on here is Spock holding this relic saying, Vulcan, the answers are on Vulcan. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The way that I, that I looked at that scene was that whatever he took out of there was the thing that it was protecting. And now that that thing was gone the usefulness of that monument or whatever it was, was at an end. And mm -hmm. so it didn't want the knowledge, I guess, getting out to anyone else. And so it just imploded because there's no reason that right then it decides, you know, that that's it. That's, that's the last straw. And uh, we, we're <laughs> done with this atmosphere. No, I definitely think it's related to Spock taking that relic. Oh out. yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Absolutely. I think the Illyrians even say when they're scanning, they're like, he's done something because there's all this increased seismic activity that's happening. So yeah, I think taking that relic was what kicked that off for sure. And uh, yeah, we'll move on to the final issue, issue four, and we'll find out all about that relic and, and what it's all about. But uh, in the meantime, in the in the very first few panels, we've got Spock and sickbay, and he's back to normal. Doctor waved a light over him, and now he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Illyrians did say that the effects were temporary. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And they do have a genetic expert aboard, Christine Jabal, who was, I'm sure, very instrumental in uh, in reversing a lot of that as well. So, gonna miss Rocky Spock. <laughs> you were with us too short a time, although I'm glad he can feel things again. Definitely. Dr. Mbenga isn't convinced he should be up and at it again yet, though. He's pretty protective of Spock, saying that, you know, you should rest a little longer. But Spock says he's he's feeling okay. So Vulcans make the worst patients, along with captains and doctors, I think. Mm. It, it basically, <laughs> everybody makes the worst patients. <laughs> Nobody likes going to see the doctor. It seems to me, though, if we had the technology that they do just in this era of Star Trek alone, I would have no problem going to the doctor. Yeah, it's like, yeah, wave a light over me. Thank you. Totally. Can you, can you fix my polycystic ovary syndrome? Just wave a light over me. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pike kind of gives this Illyrian captain a taste of his own medicine and beams him aboard the Enterprise and, and kidnaps him. Or sorry, sorry, welcomes him aboard the Enterprise as a guest, uh, in his words. So it's not a kidnapping, not at all. Yeah. Didn't they transport him directly to the bridge though? Mm-hmm. They can't yep. do that. Yeah. That was curious to me. I'm like, wait, what? Wait, what? No, no. They, their transporters aren't that advanced yet. That was a thing Oops. that started in TNG. It's, yeah, I don't know. It was one know. of those, it was one of those little nickels. For me, just yeah. a little one. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch that when I was reading it, but yeah, that makes sense. And I hadn't thought of it, but yeah, that's a little anachronistic here, I think. Uh, good call for sure. Well, they're, yeah, so they're going to take this Illyrian captain with them to Vulcan and they're holding on to this relic. The, the Illyrian says, that belongs to us. You have to give it to us. And Pike says, uh, whatever truth we're hoping to un- uncover belongs to the galaxy, not to either of us. Uh, we're anal- analyzing the artifact Spock found. You'll find out everything at the same time we do. So they're going to keep him in the loop, but they're not just turning over everything to him after, you know, they kidnapped Spock and radically altered him and used him. And no, they're going to take a little bit of charge here and, and uh, take charge on this investigation. Yeah, that was, um, you know, basically they forcibly modified Spock's DNA and that is an invasion. That is that is a violation. And that's not cool, man. That's not cool. And they seem to think like it's no big deal because they, I guess because they are Illyrians, but it's a big deal for people who don't have that as a way of life. And they don't really ever address that violation, do they? Yeah. They're kind of just, you know, working with it. And, and, and like, I like this shot of the the two captains and Spock and sickbay and they're both trying to figure this out and Spock's just like, I guess I'm okay with the fact that you did this to me and I don't know. Yeah. It's not really brought up again. I would have liked something about that because that had to have been a traumatic experience. Well, yeah, like we said, they're not going to dwell on it and they're going to head to Vulcan 
and they're basically looking for any trace of this Skalan person that Spock kind of shared consciousness with. Uh, and there's one kind of mention of him that there's this uh, ancient homestead that exists on the outskirts of one of the smaller Vulcan cities that was, uh, there was a reference to his name having to do with that property. So uh, they're going to beam down there, even though Dr. Mbenga is not thrilled <laughs> to let Spock go wandering, as Pike says. But uh, Spock says, we are hardly wandering. This is the homestead recorded as sharing the name Scalan. And they encounter this lovely Vulcan woman who, whom <laughs> I love. I love her. She's the, you there. Yes, you. Go away. <laughs> That's how she greets them. <laughs> she is not having any of their hijinks. And I love that, like, half the time when they say something, she replies with, don't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Can't even be bothered to say Spock's name right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's she's definitely quirky. And uh, I like when Pike says she seems a little crotchety for a Vulcan, doesn't she? And Spock's response, I love, we are not an entirely predictable species, Captain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. You see one Vulcan, you think you've seen them all. And there is definitely a wider brush that that race is painted with, just like any race in the galaxy, <laughs> just like the human race. There are many different strokes for different folks. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, this this old Vulcan woman, I love her. And and yeah, like you said, you there, Skok. Spock. Don't care. <laughs> don't, Help don't me care. carry this. <laughs> she's so much fun. She is. But yeah, she's got this uh, artifact, basically, that they discover the crystal that Spock has fits in. And it has this final message from Scalan. Basically, this is the info dump where we get the explanation of exactly what happened. And kind of how I called the Vulcans colonizers earlier. They basically came to Illyria and used genetic manipulation on them to ostensibly help them through this calamity. But Basically, we're just using them as an experiment to try this out and, and try out different things. And when it kind of didn't really work out, they just left them to their fate and moved on and continued to explore and uh, toy with other worlds. They, he said, Scalan says they saw themselves as gods, basically. Mm. And uh, that's very familiar. That sounds sounds very familiar and feels very of a Trekian message about our world and, and what has led us to uh, where a lot of places are in this world on earth in the 21st century mm -hmm. um, with, you know, various empires doing kind of much the same thing and continuing to do much the same thing throughout our history and throughout our contemporary times. Yeah. It's unfortunately a really accurate mirror. Mm -hmm. And it's this testament that he's left is basically because Surak's wisdom did come to Vulcan and he learned a new way along with the rest of the Vulcan people. But one feeling remained and that was the guilt over what had been done. And so this was basically his confession. Mm -hmm. 
his last will and testament, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mostly testament. So that's basically the truth that comes out of here is that, uh, as Pike says here, Illyrians aren't some gene-twisted threat like the Augments of Earth. They're survivors. They deserve the Federation's respect, not their fear. And this information is what they need to free Una. They're going to make this information known and it's going to turn everything around and uh, basically save their friend. And this captain, this Illyrian captain we've grown to love, basically says, no, you're not going to do that because we as a species wish to preserve our self-image. We don't want to be seen as experiments that we're monkeyed with. We are captains of our own destiny. And so you will not reveal this information because we as a species, he feels they wouldn't be able to take it. They would, uh, it would be detrimental if they were just seeing themselves as the mere playthings of another species. Which, I mean, I can see where he's coming from, but also, I don't know. I feel like their species is probably stronger than that. <laughs> I agree, but is Vulcan? Hmm. Because this would, this would also rock the foundations of everything Vulcans believe about themselves. So much so that all of this information was stricken from history. Yeah. There was more than one world at stake there. For sure. And also there is the integrity of the stories of season two of Strange New Worlds <laughs> at stake here as well. Big, big stake right there. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, you know, story-wise, they had to have a reason why this big revelation doesn't free Una and isn't the big revelation that, that sends shockwaves, which, you know, it's kind of... It has to be baked into the story, but at the same time, like, even though you see it coming, it's just a bit unsatisfying at the end mm, yeah. that like, we've learned this huge truth that'll upset the everything of everything. And no, we got to be quiet about it. Bombshells that would possibly change the balance of power throughout the galaxy. And yeah, nobody can talk about it. So, but it was just Spock and Pike and, and mm -hmm. what's his name? The other the Illyrian captain whose name I've forgotten. And, and this old cranky lady who isn't going to tell anyone anything because who cares? She yeah, doesn't. I loved that when the revelation's all said and done, I, she basically says, so you going to take this off my hands or what? Mm -hmm. It's been collecting <laughs> dust. I don't want it. I don't even know why I kept it this long. Like the, the outskirts of a small city, like, you know, basically country bumpkin Vulcan is kind of, I think, what they were going for, which... I very much enjoyed. Yeah, and she has seen it all and she does not have time for your crap. Don't care. <laughs> Don't care. All I care about is what makes me happy and that ain't you. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like you said, the only people that know about it are this very tight circle and they're going to keep the secret. And I like that little acknowledgement of it with the crew at the end. We have Uhura, Ortegas, and Chapel. Basically, like, something happened down there. Oh, well, I guess we'll never know. Um, we're going to help get the ship ready for when Una comes home. And they toast to number one. And that's the end of the story. I kind of saw that ending coming. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Gotta put all the toys back on the shelf the way you found them. Because 99.9999% yeah. of fans are not going to read this story that's just uh that's just the way the numbers work out so 
it's too bad because I love mm-hmm. comics and I love Star Trek comics and it's fun to have these other stories and work that into my headcanon. So that's a good question then. Is this a story that, because because novels and comics you can accept as part of your continuity or not as you see fit. So in your mind, watching season two and how everything shook out for Una, did this story happen in your personal history of Star Trek or was it a work of fiction in that world? You know... I, I would really like to, well, I'm going to rewatch the season anyway, of course, but I would really like to rewatch because it had been a couple of months since I had read these comics and had forgotten a lot of it, if we're being honest, because I've read a lot of comics, you guys. My brain can only hold so much. Well, actually, it can probably hold a lot, but I can't always access it, you know, so uh so I'm I'm going to say yeah this fits into my head canon and I and I'm going to watch the rest of this season of Strange New Worlds with that information in my head knowing that Pike and Spock know this and see how that changes things. Interesting, yeah. And uh I I hadn't really thought of that question until right before I asked it because I I think that's an interesting way to approach some of these stories like agreed you know a story can be really good but not necessarily fit right because like i love the original series novel the final reflection by john m ford but the way the klingons have been written since and the things that we know about them that novel just doesn't fit like it doesn't work but it's such a good novel that if anybody ever has the chance to read it, I always say, take it, read it. It's really good. But it's not really part of my personal headcanon or continuity. This one, yeah, I think it works. I think it requires a little bit of squinting to make it all fit because it's it's pretty big. Like, it's a pretty big revelation what happens here. Like you said, only a couple people really know about it. So I think... On a technicality, it gets a pass there. So yeah, it works for me. And on top of that, I really enjoy it. I thought it was a really well-told story, really interesting. And uh, like you, I wish more people would read it. But just given its medium, we know that's not going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah, which is really too bad because it's so much easier to get comics now, even if you can't get them in physical form. Getting them digitally is so much easier than it used to be. So there's really no excuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I much prefer reading the actual comics because it's it's easier. It's bigger. And I already need reading glasses anyway because I can't see far. I can't see near. I can just at best stare at the middle distance now. And uh, so I like to have something that I can, that I don't have to scroll I like turning pages when it comes to comics instead of scrolling. So final question, I guess, and I'm going to say this in the same way that we always do on the live show when we talk about new episodes of Star Trek. Uh, What's your rating for the Illyrian Enigma? Well, it has to be one big Rocky Spock. I mean, (laughs) one big naked Rocky Spock. One big naked Rocky Spock. I like it. My rating has to be one giant official apology to the Illyrian government from the government of Earth for the actions of one Captain Jonathan Archer. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> Let's see that. Yeah. That was one of those episodes where it just made me like, what are you doing? But then as, you know, when I first saw it, but then as I got older, I could see how there were difficult choices to be made. And though I still didn't like the choice, I understood it. Yeah. Because I have no choice. Oh, and the fact that Casey Biggs played that captain mm. and that scene, right? Was, why are you doing this? Like just that pleading an archer because I have no choice just before he beams out. It's like, oh, oh, yeah. Man. yeah, brutal. And I'm sure that he beat himself up for that for years. I always wanted just a little acknowledgement or name drop or something that like, you know, as soon as Enterprise got home, their first request was to head out to rescue the Illyrian ship or something right? like that. Like, right? I really wanted that. Send the Columbia. If if the NX-01 is not able to go out, send out the Columbia. Just do it. Yeah. Well, with that said, uh, the Illyrian Enigma four-part series, definitely worth checking out. If you've listened to this whole podcast without having read it, uh, we spoiled it top to bottom. But mm -hmm. even if you haven't read it, I think it's still worth checking out at that point. So, uh, yeah, definitely in my recommended list for fans of Strange New Worlds and fans of Star Trek. Agreed. Well, Brandy, thank you so much for joining me today. And where can people find you when you're not taking out Illyrian ships with a single shot? <laughs> I'm always taking out Illyrian ships with a single shot. I don't miss, baby. No, um, you can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12 and on Mastodon at Brandywine at RaveNation.club. And you can also uh, find me on Boldly Go, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast, where uh, I and a guest talk about the newest episode of Strange New Worlds as we go along. And uh, if you hadn't heard already, uh, my co-host Suzanne is no longer able to do the show, which breaks my heart. And her absence is keenly felt by by me. And uh, but I have been having some great guests on, and will continue to do so through the end of uh, season two of Strange New Worlds. And beyond that, there are some other things I have planned. So you'll just have to stay tuned, and you can just find that anywhere that you can find podcasts. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats, on Mastodon at Kurtrats at mstdn.ca, and youtube.com slash Productions, where I make videos all about Star Trek mostly. And uh, I, I say other stuff, but it's basically just been Star Trek. So yeah, that's what I love to talk about. Same. Absolutely. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at Positively Trek. Check out the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. We'd love to have you join our conversations there. And if you'd like to help out the show, patreon.com slash Positively Trek is where you can go to do that. And we thank all of our patrons. We really do appreciate all of your help bringing this to you each and every week. I'm Dan Gunther. With me has been Brandy Jackala. We will see you again in a future episode of the Positively Trek book club. So until then, as always, stay positive. Hey. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.